Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch it, listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big, oh, Wednesday, folks. Tomorrow, preseason tips off. Whew, like the first initial full week, not just one little taste, one little nugget, one little bite of that Hall of Fame game. We are in the full swing of it, folks. So that starts tomorrow. I think we are going to uh, guess and react to the lines for tomorrow. We, uh, you know, did pretty good with the Hall of Fame game. We batted and we hit it. Fantastic. We over-predicted the value at Steelers minus four. It ended up uh, being Steelers minus one, and then it climbed all the way up to Steelers minus two, two and a half, whatever you locked it in at. We took that. They won. Bingo, bango. They won by what? You know, 10, 13, something like that. Um... So we'll see what we can, uh, you know, guess and react to today. Uh, also, we are going to be breaking down Hard Knocks. Yesterday just came out, first episode, absolutely great episode. And there are some good takeaways with kind of, you know, what are our narratives that we have been watching for for the Cowboys in training camp is Mike McCarthy, can he coach? Dan Quinn, can he coach? We're looking at Simi uh, Fehoko, but he didn't even make an appearance that episode. How unfortunate. But we did get some real good insight on Mike McCarthy. McCarthy and what he's like coaching wise so we're gonna break that all down and uh, you know just kind of give you our thoughts we've got notes we've wrote notes we, uh, we got the whole first page of notes right here as we were watching it so We'll break it down and talk it through, and then uh, we will do a team refresher if we have time today, which we may, we may not. I don't know, folks. I don't know how long we're going to go with these stories. So let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And the first one up, we got to talk about Hard Knocks, folks. It just premiered on HBO Max last night, 10 o'clock Eastern, and it was great. It was magnificent. It was great to have Hard Knocks back. It's such a great insight. It's such a great look at football and everything and how much work goes into it and how many pieces, moving pieces actively every single day go in to really, you know, make a team and make a team competitive and able to win and able to compete and all that. So that just started up last night. Uh, as you all know, it's on the Cowboys this season, and um, it was fantastic. It was great. Uh, the first thing I got to talk about is the voice of Hard Knocks. It's just so spectacular, folks. I mean, they it's the same guy that's been always doing it, but man, oh, man, that voice, that narrative voice. Jeez, I want that on everything. I want movie trailers to use this man's voice. I want, you know, voiceover and cartoons just every character should be played by this man's voice it's just so great so hearing his voice again truly just getting my blood pumping on what this season is truly going to be like and that was just obviously the great start to hard knocks all right, now let's get into, you know, the details of what actually happened. So the first thing to talk about is that Dak Prescott ended up having two surgeries on his kind of ankle to repair it, which I applaud the Cowboys for not letting that leak. I had no idea he had two surgeries, but he ended up having two surgeries. Dak Prescott said that. He's like, y'all didn't know that, did you? <laughs> you know, so I give the Cowboys credit, the organization, for keeping that under wraps the entire offseason when Dak was like the biggest story maybe in football. I would probably say top three, 
top five at least top five story of kind of the off season and kind of you know the early uh the early practices and all that i'd probably say that dak prescott injury was kind of top five stories so uh Great job by not letting that leak and keeping it, you know, everything in-house and secretive. So we give him credit for that. So that was kind of the first big surprise, and that was right out of the gate. Dak, Dak Prescott talking about his injury. You see the scars and all that, and, uh, you know, he's not uh, he's not uh, ashamed of his scars. I think he called them his battle scars or something like that. So uh, Dak, Dak Prescott had two surgeries on that ankle. Alrighty, now let's talk about uh, Mike McCarthy because we did get a lot of insight on Mike McCarthy and I'm just going to preface this. This is what I saw. This is kind of my interpretation. Folks, I can only tell y'all what I saw the camera get, okay? So when we kind of critique and, you know, talk about Mike McCarthy here, this is just what I'm seeing of what the cameras captured and all of that. So don't shoot me, but I think we did get some nice nuggets you have to look into these things folks i mean the the camera shows you the camera of hard knocks those cameras captured moments of mike mccarthy and we are going to kind of tell you what our takeaway of those shots were and everything about that so if you're a big mike mccarthy fan and you're gonna get angry at me please try not to because i'm not it's not uh, nothing like that big of a dig here on mike mccarthy but um you know i'm just telling you what i saw the cap the camera capture and my takeaway from it so here here we go. All right. So Mike McCarthy, he stopped Dak Prescott from throwing after day one. So we saw Dak Prescott here in a, um, in Hard Knocks the first day of training camp, and he was looking real solid, folks. He was mobile. He was throwing on the run. He was accurate. It's not like he was limping or anything like that. It truly looked like Dak Prescott was a full 100% healthy just on how he was moving and throwing the ball on the on the run day one of practice. But Mike McCarthy shut that down day two interesting we kind of heard Mike McCarthy say you know why why is Dak practicing like he, he there's no reason so Mike McCarthy doesn't want Dak Prescott out there practicing in training camp because I don't know whether he just feels like Dak Prescott there's no reason to because he already knows everything and there's no reason to risk an injury injury or anything like that but Mike McCarthy's first initial thing was hey I don't really want Dak practicing and we got that in day number two. Dak Prescott didn't like that he was getting shut, getting shut down. He's like, why Why am I not out there? I sat the entire offseason because I was rehabbing. So I want to get the fuck out there. I've, I've sat enough. So Dak Prescott wanted to be out there. And Mike McCarthy shut that down. Once again, we have to look at Mike McCarthy's overall resume in the NFL, folks. Only one Super Bowl appearance with the greatest thrower of the football in Aaron Rodgers, folks. I mean, that's a little underwhelming, slight underwhelming. I mean, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady got to six or got to nine, one six, folks. I mean, you couldn't get back, you couldn't get to more than one Super Bowl. So just overall, Mike McCarthy a little underwhelming in his overall coaching resume, given with you know, given that he was with Aaron Rodgers his entire career. So we can potentially understand a little bit of a strained relationship between the head coach and the quarterback. If we take this back to, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, back in Green Bay, was he trying to shut down Aaron Rodgers from getting better? All of that. Aaron Rodgers may have had kind of the same, uh, like, why are you sitting me? I'm good to go. So maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't have the best relationships with his quarterbacks, you know, the entire time. And we're going to get back to that as well. We've got another clip to talk about that. 
Um, all right, so that's um, he also wanted to kind of slow Zeke down a little bit because he was from once again day one of practice He saw Zeke and Zeke was looking real good. He thinned down. He was looking great He was looking explosive and Mike McCarthy once again was like why is Zeke out there? Let's slow him down. He's looking great He doesn't kind of need to be out there anymore So it kind of seems like Mike McCarthy truly doesn't want his star players practicing in training camp now That's you know a train of thought when you're a head coach, you know You do you don't want any unnecessary injuries you want your guys fresh for the start of the season So it is you know uh, a, a Decent kind of you know 50 50 should we sit this starter? Should we not play them so much or should we kind of go go you know go hundred percent guns blazing so it seems like Mike McCarthy kind of does not want his starting face of the franchise players truly practicing and getting all the reps it's like all right here's one maybe two reps you've got it down you've been here before I mean Dak and Zeke have been in the Cowboys organization for six seasons they understand it so don't kind of you know risk potential injuries with them practicing and training camp so that seems like that just kind of seems like seemed like Mike McCarthy's general attitude in the beginning and we're gonna see a tone shift here as well and we got some information on that but let's keep going here. Um, we got, uh, what else is in our notes here? Uh, Dak's shoulder injury, they kind of went through that. So it's not with the ankle anymore. That's, you know, what he suffered last year. But he suffered kind of a little bit of a shoulder injury. And we talked about that, you know, on the show. So it's not a bicep injury. It's not a tricep injury. When uh, Mike McCarthy was talking to the doctor, he the doctor was like, yeah, it's kind of like a lat muscle injury. And I didn't know what the hell that was about. And Dak Prescott was like, yeah, you know, he can't follow through with full force when throwing the ball. And Dak Prescott said he truly felt it as, um, as soon as he was letting go of the football. So at that full extension, he was kind of feeling, a, a, you know, a little bit of a pull there. In his shoulder. So let's see what a lap muscle kind of injury is like. Um, I had to Google because I didn't know what, I, I, you folks, I don't know muscles and all that. I'm sorry. So I heard the doctor say lat muscle. So I Google lat muscle and we get this. The, the, latiz, the latissimus dorsi muscle known as the lats, are the large V-shaped muscles that connect your arms to your vertebral column. They help you protect and stabilize your spine while providing shoulder and back strength. Your lats also help with shoulder and arm movement and support good posture. So then we go to this kind of a lat muscle injury recovery. What are we talking about here? And this is just what Google brings up. And once again, this is from MLB.com. Once again, we heard the the doctor say it's more of an injury in common with baseball injuries. And that's why the Cowboys contacted the Houston, who was a Houston Astros baseball team to kind of get a little bit of a second opinion on Dak's shoulder. And this is what the recovery table is looking like here. So here we go. Recovery time varies depending on the strain, with grade 1 strains typically requiring 2 to 3 weeks and grade 2 strains usually taking at least a month. Grade 3 strains often require surgery, however, and can come with considerably considerably longer recovery period. So we don't have, you know, whether that's a grade one, two or three, it's seeming like it's it's maybe a grade one, but we're talking about 2 to 3 weeks. 
which still puts them, you know, right in time for week one. So nothing truly big there, but just, you know, not being in practice and not being able to kind of be a full go in there is definitely going to, you know, hurt his process a little bit, but maybe not to Mike McCarthy. Maybe Mike McCarthy was like, oh, thank kind of goodness he's not really out there because I don't really want him out there anyway. But, you know, he did get injured. So Mike McCarthy, a little bit right out there. Why is he out there? Maybe he really shouldn't be for all those reps. So, you know, was Mike McCarthy a little bit right? He got injured, so in this circumstance, this instance, yeah, a little bit. So, that's kind of Dak's new injury. It's no longer with the angle. He was looking good. We saw him running out there, folks. You, you see Dak Prescott running, throwing on the run, accurate as heck, looking real solid. He's no limping, no gimping, no um, you know, um, you know, facial expressions of pain or anything like that. So, the, that ankle, I believe, is truly 100% good now. Now we're talking about this uh, lat muscle injury. All right, what else do we get here? All right, here we go. So, once that kind of shoulder injury initially happened, Mike McCarthy wanted Dak Prescott to get off the field because Dak Prescott was still on the field just observing practice and just kind of, you know, learning the information, which you want your players to do, even your starters. You can still learn from watching, not participating, seeing the plays, you know, being ran in action all and, and all of that. So being on the field is still, you know, you learning and even – Though you're not taking those reps, you're still learning something from, and you're actually maybe getting a little bit of a better perspective from the sideline because you're seeing what the defense is doing and how they're playing that route. So you get a better understanding as the quarterback on where to kind of where to go with the ball. If you know the corner comes down, the corner stays on the man, the safeties come down, the linebackers rush, the linebackers drop back. So you may even learn a little bit more by just kind of just watching and observing from the sideline, seeing the entire offense and the entire defense and how it all looks. So there is, you know, a little bit of a uh, benefit of just being on the field. But Mike McCarthy wanted Dak Prescott to go get treatment kind of immediately. He was kind of like, you know, kind of like, hey, why are you still on the field? Why, why, why don't you go get treated for that injury? Let's kind of get you, you know, up, you know, let's get you full go. Uh, so, you know, please get off the field. And then so we get that the doctor, I, I, it kind of seemed like Mike McCarthy was like, a little frustrated with the doctor and Dak, like, seriously, like, why the hell are you still on this field? Like, go get the treatment. And then after Dak Prescott's walking off the field, it's Mike McCarthy and Ben McAdoo. And the folks, this is all the cat, the, this is all that the camera captures. They're standing right next to each other. And Mike McCarthy kind of looks up watching Dak Prescott walk off the field. And he goes, Psh, fuck like, like, you know, what the hell are they even doing? Like, psh, fuck, man. Like, what what am I even, like, what what is their thought process of staying on the field and not seeking treatment? Like, are they just expecting it to, like, magically heal? So we're talking about Ben McAdoo and Mike McCarthy kind of going, psh, fuck. Like, laughing and being like, seriously, like, what the hell were they thinking? Like, like it's so out of the realm of Dak Prescott still being, like, in practice and not immediately seeking treatment. So once again, we have to take, you know, the people that are doing this. It's Mike McCarthy, underwhelming with Aaron Rodgers, Ben McAdoo, who was the freaking fall guy for getting Eli Manning out of the out of the Giants organization. Because remember, Ben McAdoo sat Eli Manning, even though that Eli Manning was the starter and broke Eli Manning's consecutive start streak, and then he ended up getting fired the next se like that season. He was the fall guy. So these two coaches right here 
thinking, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I kind of know more and, you know, it's kind of, you know, why, 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 why aren't people kind of thinking like me? Psh, psh, fuck. <laughs> y'all will see, hopefully y'all will see it when you watch it, if you have watched it, if you guys know what I'm trying to kind of, you know, verbalize here. Um, I just thought it was real weird um, how they were kind of acting in that moment. I, I, I just, I... I think I would have rather had Dak be out there. There's still time. It's not like, and this is, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-lasting injury. So I still think Dak, you know, could have learned a lot from just being out there with the team. Once again, Mike McCarthy, a little bit of a different thinking. Hey, why don't you just go get traded? You don't need to be out there. You don't need to be out there. And that's something that we've been seeing the entire kind of first half hour of Mike McCarthy. Hey, Dak, you really don't need to be out there. Now we can maybe understand why Aaron Rodgers was a little frustrated with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay just a little bit. All right. What else do we get here? All right. So now we get Jerry Jones. He's in his office, and then he ends up hearing about the injury. Now, what's interesting here is that Jerry Jones asked the doctor. He was like, all right, so he can't throw long, and he can't throw medium, but can he still throw short? Kind of implying, hey, I want... Dak Prescott out on the field. I want this man playing. I want this man practicing. I just invested all this money in him. He's our face of the franchise guy. He needs to be out there working and getting better. So we got Jerry Jones kind of, you know, asking the doctor, hey, he can't throw long. He can't throw medium. Can he throw short? Can he be out there throwing short? And the doctor was like, yeah, we really don't want any kind of throwing motion at all. So Jerry Jones is like, okay, um... So we got Mike McCarthy doesn't even want Dak Prescott out on the field when he was fully healthy, folks. This was before we, we, we talked about it earlier, folks, in the beginning. Mike McCarthy didn't want Dak, Pres Dak Prescott out on the field when he was fully healthy. We got Jerry Jones really wanting Dak Prescott out there even if he's not 100% healthy. So once again, two different kind of coaching styles. And we all know kind of, you know, the, the saying that Jerry Jones runs the team. He brings in head coaches that, you know, will take his direction and listen to him and will follow all of his orders. And we're going to get kind of the turnaround here because now um, – we get this. So Jerry Jones wanted kind of, if you kind of read into it, I read into it a little bit, asking that question, can he at least throw short? Kind of seemed like Jerry Jones wants Dak Prescott out there. Mike McCarthy doesn't. And then Mike McCar Jerry Jones comes down to the practice field and, um, you know, he goes kind of to Mike McCarthy and is like, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing to kind of get him up to speed? You know, what is he doing when he's injured? And Mike McCarthy's like, yeah, he's just kind of going through the motions out there. He's doing everything besides throwing. And it kind of seemed like Mike McCarthy's attitude changed about having Dak Prescott out on the field, even though he can't be a full go, because Jerry Jones wanted that. So it kind of is seeming like Jerry Jones is once again in complete control of this football team and Mike McCarthy is just doing what Jerry Jones wants so that's kind of you know the takeaway I got from that thing that whole Dak Prescott not being on the field being injured wanting to be on the field not wanting to be on the field um, that was kind of my takeaway is that Mike McCarthy was kind of taking orders from Jerry Jones all right, so Dak Prescott, he was doing everything besides kind of throwing the ball. He was, you know, taking the reps. He was kind of, you know, going through the motions, just doing everything besides throwing the ball, you know, resting that shoulder. All right, then we get um, Mike McCarthy's coaching style. He does a mojo moment. Um, he kind of, you know, 
takes a clip about about uh from austin powers about how you know just mojo and just kind of you know mojo is like a, an integral part of football and it, it truly is folks you will feel it in game scenarios you'll be like all right yeah, this i can feel this kind of being a true turnaround moment whether it's in the first quarter second quarter third quarter fourth quarter uh, first down third down fourth down on the goal line from the five at midfield just picking up the first down stopping you know a first down play anything like that you know, players will feel that out on the field out there. And I, so I've got no problem with Mike McCarthy using the Austin Powers um, clip, you know, livening up kind of the locker room a little bit. Not everything has to be serious all the time, 100%. So the mojo moment, I had no problem with. And then they try and go out and execute a mojo moment. They kind of do it randomly in practice. Um, they do just kind of a random scenario. I think it was like... Um, uh, it was like a minute 30 left, no timeouts left, and the offense had to go and drive the ball down by eight points, get the touchdown, then go for the two-point conversion. So I've got no problem with that. The thing, the knock that I do have on Mike McCarthy's mojo kind of moment uh, coaching style is that he made it a little bit too much of a game, a little bit too much. Like this is here, like this is mojo moments that does happen in in the games, and you had, kind of have to get the players used to you know truly locking in during those moments. But everyone was kind of you know clowning around, being like, "Hey, it's a mojo moment," you know, laughing it up, and that's fine. But you do have to kind of set that kind of, "Hey, this is serious now. We have to put it all." you know out there and truly just all buy in and I think that's kind of where I had a little bit of a problem with McCarthy's kind of mojo moment he didn't know when to kind of truly bring it in and be 100% serious and 100% truly driven just on that um, they ended up um, capitalizing they scored the touchdown missed a two-point conversion and that touchdown was the CD Lamb uh, play that we watched uh, a couple weeks ago or last week on the show where he kind of goes one-handed corner of the end zone gets two feet and bounds looking absolutely great so cd lamb once again we can buy into this man 100 in that mojo moment i think it was like fourth down when they needed the touchdown he ended up in making that big play that's what the mojo moment is folks players stepping up to the occasion and locking in getting the job done whatever the scenario is in that game time scenario so fantastic by cd lamb that man's always going to be great, folks. I'm telling y'all, the man's gonna, going to have an absolute amazing season. I still stick by my take that CeeDee Lamb will become the number one wide receiver in this league this season. Fantastic out there. Um, and then the last takeaway that we have. Is this the last one? This is the last one, folks. All right, here we go. There was a little bit of an awkward moment right here, and I'm going to bring it up. It's very, very quick here. This was after the mojo moment. This is at 34 minutes into the episode, folks. We get an awkward exchange between Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. Once again, Mike McCarthy has never had that great relationship between him and the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers kind of called him out. The entire Packers kind of, well, Aaron Rodgers mostly, was calling out kind of Mike McCarthy after he left and all that. We've heard some stories about, you know, Mike McCarthy being in his office, getting massages when practice was going on. So Mike McCarthy doesn't have the best relationship with his quarterbacks, and that's still true here in Dallas with Dak Prescott. It seems like it, the camera caught this moment. So, Mike McCarthy goes up to Dak Prescott and is kind of like, hey, Dak, damn, you know, where were you? You missed the mojo moment. Kind of being a little smurfy, but Dak Prescott doesn't kind of 
play into that smurfiness. Um, Dak Prescott, you know, Stone Cold, you know, it's like, hey, man, you do, you know, you know, I don't got to tell you, I want to be out there as bad, you know, just as bad as y'all want me out there. I want to be out there. So Mike McCarthy and then Mike McCarthy kind of is like, you know, you know, yeah, I was just busting your balls, man, you know, all that. But it's just an awkward exchange. Look at Dak Prescott's face. It's it's straight up stoic. He's showing no emotion. Usually when somebody smurfy like, hey, man, you know, what are you doing out here? You missed the mojo moment. And then you turn around like you smiles like, ha, yeah, you know, you know, I was I still want to be out there there. You still want to be out there, though, coach, you know, all that being smile, you know, smiling, laughing it off a little bit, being a little bit smurfy back. But that's not what Dak Prescott does right here. It's 100 percent serious. It's 100 percent business where Mike McCarthy was just trying to be a little smurfy so that quarterback coach head coach relationship doesn't seem to be that great between Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and that just kind of once a time once again tells us that uh Mike McCarthy may not be the best coach out here, and we're kind of seeing the same things that we've been hearing about between him and Aaron Rodgers now kind of starting to brew here between Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. So it was just a real awkward moment. Dak Prescott really didn't say anything, and then after, it's about two seconds of awkward silence, and then the camera kind of pans out to something else. So, you know, Dak Prescott not playing into that. Maybe kind of doesn't feel the playfulness between Mike McCarthy. Maybe he doesn't kind of exhibit that the entire time. And that's why they just don't have that great relationship. So, can Mike McCarthy coach comes back, you know, full for full circle of what we're trying to kind of see here with this Cowboys team. It's our training camp narrative here for this Cowboys team. Mike McCarthy, can he coach? Dan Quinn. We didn't see a lot of Dan Quinn. There was like two things of Dan Quinn. One was in the... Um, in the preseason game where Micah Parsons was playing real good and then Dan Quinn calls down and, you know, says, hey, good job, uh, you know, but your time is done. <laughs> you know, you, you played a couple of series, but uh, it's the first preseason game. Good luck out there, but, uh, you know, you won't be playing for the rest of it. And, you know, Micah Parsons kept wanting to get in and get in and get in, and Dan Quinn was just basically like, no, you're not, get you're not getting back in. You know, there's no need to. You're doing good over there. Um, so, Dan Quinn, we didn't see a lot of him, but those these couple of things of Mike McCarthy truly not looking like he's the main man in charge that, once again, is still coming down from Jerry Jones, and I don't like the relationship that we were seeing between Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. So that's what we saw from episode one of Hard Knocks, folks. We'll see if anything changes during kind of episode two and if we get more of what we're seeing in episode one and episode two. But uh, we'll come back when episode two airs and uh, kind of give our thoughts and breakdown of that. So that's what we saw. Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's really kind of buying into it. I don't know if anybody's really truly buying into what Mike McCarthy has to say. He also had like a little bit of a uh, breakdown speech as well in a kind of a classroom setting. And um, nobody was really buying into that. But, I mean, nobody really buys into those anyway. I mean, we I've seen multiple hard knocks and everyone just kind of has kind of the same kind of look on their face. They're all kind of just looking around and nobody's kind of, you know, smiling and buy, truly buying into it and nodding their head or anything like that. So I'm not going to penalize Mike McCarthy for not really kind of winning over the lock the the classroom setting the players in that kind of um, monologue uh, setting that he was in so that's what I saw folks that's what I saw I don't know if I'm buying Mike McCarthy here which was once again what we were trying to figure out so that was from hard knocks folks all right
Let's keep moving on here. We get an update here. Michael Thomas, breaking news kind of. He wants a trade. It's kind of being reported that he is going to request a trade or has already requested a trade or something like this. But Michael Thomas wants out of the Saints. And can we blame him? I mean, it seemed like the Saints were trying to, you know, make him the villain. We still don't know who's the villain in this situation, Michael Thomas or the Saints. Was it Michael Thomas for not kind of getting the surgery early and ignoring the uh, the coaching staff for three months? Or is the are the Saints the kind of villain here because they were pressuring Michael Thomas not to kind of get the surgery and kind of play through the injury to win a Super Bowl in Drew Brees' last year. So we're still not 100%. It's a he said, he said game right now. And uh, Michael Thomas is going to, or has requested a trade here from the Saints, which is not good. Um, he's out for the first five games, like we said. And, you know, not having Michael Thomas when you're trying to kind of, you know, acclimate Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill to the starting role without Drew Brees this season, it's going to be a tall task. So we'll keep an eye on Michael Thomas trade rumors and who's going to be kind of be suitors for Michael Thomas out here. And another reason why this makes this not that great is because just today in practice, wide receiver Ty Montgomery for the Saints was just carted off the field. Car getting carted off the field is never good. Uh, we just talked about somebody getting carted off the field earlier uh, last week. I'm blanking on the name, but it ended up being kind of like a two-week injury. So once again, still... Not 100% certain that Ty Montgomery is going to be out for a long period of time, but he did get carted off, which is never just a great sign initially. But when we look at the Saints depth chart here, uh, I thought Ty Montgomery was going to be a little bit higher on the depth chart here. But um, Ty Montgomery is like the sixth, the sixth deep wide receiver on this team. They get um, uh, Michael Thomas listed one, Traquan Smith listed two, Marquez Callaway three, and then Deontay Harris four, Chris Hogan five, and kind of Ty Montgomery six. So it's not bad, but now we're starting to lose wide receivers here for the Saints. So never a great sign. The depth chart is slow dwindling here for the Saints so once again we only have them having six wins this season can't really see this team being that great of everything that we've been hearing about this team uh, so far at the start of tra training camp it seems like it's all going downhill very very quickly all right but now some good news at the quarterback position here here we go Good vibes all around the Colts. We get Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are competing for the backup role because Carson Wentz is trending to open up the season as the week one starter. So we knew it was kind of a five to 12 week timetable for the return, but it seems like Carson Wentz is going to come out on that kind of real early side of the treatment after a surgery. And same goes for the offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, who also had the same injury. So it does seem like Carson Wentz is is going to be the week one starter so we can kind of breathe another sigh of relief here our Colts Super Bowl prediction and being absolutely amazing this season are still in play and we're not kind of selling Carson Wentz 100% um, we're back to kind of buying into Carson Wentz we don't want to see another injury the only reason why we're giving this injury a free pass is because this is an injury that he's always had it's just now unfortunately he has to go out and take action for it so, we're still buying Carson Wentz. He's probably going to be the week one starter. Great job by this Colts team of not overreacting and signing a quarterback right off the rip. So, we're all good. We're all good on this Colts team. And we can start kind of moving forward with betting on them and rooting for them and seeing what they can do. And uh, seeing if our initial prediction of Colts winning the Super Bowl is kind of still uh, up for grabs. So, 
great great news here for the Colts. Carson Wentz seeming to kind of uh, recover from this injury, from the surgery of the injury very, very well. All right, let's talk about this because classic NFL, no fun league. What the hell is this? Y'all just made celebrations legal, and now you want to, you know, penalize taunting now? What? what? What sense does that make? So the NFL's annual rule change in points of emphasis video notes game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce taunting rules in 2021. Two violations results in automatic ejection with fines and even suspensions in play now that was always the rule but the fact that they're now being instructed to strictly enforce these taunting rules and really what is going to count as taunting it's ridiculous folks we are going to get a video of what kind of from last season would be considered taunting this season and it's absolutely ridiculous but let's read kind of the official wording right here the NFL Players Association, coaches, and comp competition committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among everyone on the field. Now, that's lame. Why is why why is everyone kind of going for the respect? I mean, even – like, why are the players advocating for this? Players love kind of talking the shit. Players love kind of, you know, being a little disrespectful respectfully. Uh, shout out to um, 21 Savage. I disrespect you respectfully. I mean, that's truly it, folks. Yes, you know, we're knocking some players here, but we're not doing it just to be disrespectful. We're doing it as respectively as possibly. Um, so I don't understand why the players would be so for cutting, like getting truly kind of, um, enforcing the refs, enforcing the taunting penalties. I don't get why they would do that, but coaches, players association and competition committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among everyone on the field. We saw an increase in actions that clearly are not within the spirit and intent of this rule and not representative of the respect to opponents and others on the field. And folks, yes, this all sounds good. This all sounds good. But one, when we see what the NFL is truly meaning by these, it's going to blow your mind. And you're like, what the, you're, you, you consider that taunting? What? Let's continue here and then we'll get to the video. Can't wait to get to the video because it is truly just ridiculous. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce the taunting rules and players and coaches are reminded that two taunting penalties committed by an individual player will result in automatic disqualification. In addition, the taunting player may be fined and or suspended depending on the severity of the action. So taunting is going to get locked down this season. Now, this is from the official video of what the NFL says would be taunting this season. So let's watch. I think the example two plays out here. Here we go. Play number one. We get the Colts wide receiver. Colts versus Jags. Colts wide receiver. Rushing. Kind of gets hit out of bounds right here. Takes a little bit of a big hit. And then gets up and turns to Miles Jack and kind of flexes on him. He flexes right in his face. They're going to call taunting for this. A little bit of a flex. Be like, hey, yeah, you had a little bit of a big hit on me, but I ain't phased, baby. I ain't phased. I'm not locked. I'm not knocked down. I'm not locked down. I'm ready to kind of get back up and hey, you you can't uh, you can't beef me up. You can't beef me up. I'm solid, baby. They're gonna call that taunting. A little bit of a flex. You can flex in Madden. Whenever you get a big play, you can do the flex on them, and that's what I, that's the only option. They give you like four options on how to celebrate. I always do the flex. 
Always do the flex. The flex is like the best one to do. Flex on him. Yeah, big hit, baby. No, no, no. That was a baby hit by you. Big hit by me. Flex on you. I, oh, you hit me. You expect me to stay down? Nah, I get, I get up and flex, baby. No, no, no. No, no, no. You didn't hit me good. You think you did, but you really didn't. I'm back up. I'm popping right back up. So they're going to call that taunting. They would call this taunting. 15-yard penalty, and if he does it again, disqualification. Really? How lame. How lame. All right, what's the other one right here? We get Baker Mayfield throwing out of the pocket, completes a pass. He gets tackled. Wide receiver for the Browns gets tackled. He's going against the Texans defender right here. He gets up. Spikes the ball down, like in the vicinity of the player. But that's a big play, baby. Hey, I just burned you on this route. Yes, sir. Get big. Spike the ball down. That's a first. Maybe it's not a first, but it's a great play because I got the separation. So players just showing excitement after burning a defender. That's going to get taunting as well. 15-yard penalty because I spiked the ball in front of the player that I just made an absolute fool out of. You're going to call that taunting and disrespect? What? Really? I mean, there's a clip going around, and I wish I brought it up. I didn't save it. But there's a clip going around on Twitter of Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, the most kind of vanilla coach that there is. Oh, we're just on, you know, we're just on to the next one. We're just on to the next one. Never showing any emotion. He was in the classroom setting telling the guys, hey, why are y'all not showing any emotion after a big play? You have to get hype on a big play. You worked your ass off. In training camp, in the preseason, to get to this moment, and you finally make a big play, and you're not going to celebrate? He's like, why is the team not celebrating and kind of, you know, pumping up the player that just made the play? This is coming from Bill Belichick. But the NFL competition committee, the NFL is like, no, 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 that's taunting. What? Really? There's no fun anymore. I'm the guy now. I never wanted to be this guy, but now I'm the guy. There's no fun in the league anymore. How do you, as the NFL, decide that, hey, you guys can celebrate after touchdowns now and you can do group celebrations? Isn't that taunting? You just scored on the team and now everyone's swag surfing? Now they're using the players as human bowling pins? That's not taunting? What, what's the difference here? A score or a big play? It's all this. It's all kind of the same, no? It's a big play. It's a great play executed to perfection. That's why it went for 20 yards. That's why it went for the touchdown, and we were able to score because we outsmarted or just outplayed the defense. So you can't just do that for the first down. You can't do that for a big play. You can't do that for making a great tackle or a great hit or jumping up right after a big hit. You can only celebrate and taunt and be disrespectful in the end zone. I don't I don't get what sense that makes. So they're going to enforce it strictly, which is going to be lame. Um, hopefully, I, I can't even say hopefully the refs don't do it, but the refs are going to do it. This is their rules. This is who's paying their bills. I mean, do you want to represent the – do you want to be able to kind of coach a playoff game and coach the Super Bowl because they only take the best refs that kind of follow the rules – so, just lame. I, I think it's lame. Absolute lame right here. So, but, you know, look out for that, folks. Taunting is going to be under a bird's eye this season. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Get one. You do get 15-yard. It's a 15-yard penalty for taunting, folks. 
You get two before you're ejected, so you can do the one, but it still costs your team 15 yards, so you really can't even do it. So, hopefully they don't take it too strictly, but the wording is strictly, strictly enforcing taunting rules. I don't like it. I'm taunting all day. I disrespect you respectfully. They all know it's kind of in the, in the, in the, in the good kind of will of, in the good spirit of competition and working your ass off and achieving something absolutely amazing. I mean, folks, we're talking about grown men, folks. We're talking about grown men. This isn't, you know, teens and you don't want to hurt their feelings. These are grown men, professional athletes playing the highest level of sport that there is in the world. And you can't do a little taunt. You can't do a little flex on them. Can't do a little flex on them. Showing the muscles. Come on. That's taunting? Damn right it's taunting. You're a little bitch. <laughs> You're a little fucking bitch. You see how strong I am? That bitch hit that you just had on me? Yeah, I am disrespecting you respectfully. But you're a little bitch out there. Flex on them. They're going to take that away? Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of it, folks. Truly not the biggest fan. Alrighty. Let's move on. What else do we get here? Oh, we get this. A little surprising. We're going to have to read into this article a little bit more just to kind of truly see what they're saying here. But Drew Locke is going to start for the Broncos preseason opener. But Teddy Bridgewater will start the second game. So I don't think this is going to give us any early indication on who's truly winning the starting job here. We knew this was going to go into probably preseason game number three. Teddy Bridgewater is still going to get reps in preseason game number one. Drew Locke is still going to get reps in preseason game number two. It's just that Drew Locke is going to be starting. And I've, uh, once again, I probably should have saved this one to talk about. But there is kind of something floating around on Twitter that the Broncos didn't draft a quarterback this season because they just felt like they owed Drew Locke another chance to get the starting opportunity. So it's truly seeming like they want Drew Locke to go out and win the starting job. But if he's not up to snuff, up to par, that they would have no, you know, no hesitation on picking Teddy Bridgewater. So it does seem like they do want to give Drew Locke the start here. And he's been here for two seasons. So, you know, him starting the first preseason game, it just makes a little bit more It just does make sense out there. But uh, we, we don't get any quote here, so I'm not going to read into this article because I just want to hear what Vic Fangio was saying about it, but we get no quote on it. All we get is that Drew Locke will start the Broncos season opener, but we can still watch both of them play, so we're not worried about that. So Drew Locke, the pressure is on from you, game one. Teddy Bridgewater can kind of, you know, uh, relax a little bit. Obviously, he still has to play good with the twos, but uh, Drew Locke, uh, you know, the pressure's on. See what you're made of. See what you learned here this training camp, and uh, you're going to have to show it preseason game number one. So cannot wait. Um, I believe they play on Friday. When do they play? Um, let me get that up really quickly. Uh, they play on where the Broncos at. They play on Saturday. Saturday at 4 o'clock against the Vikings. So... We'll be able to look this up on Sunday show and uh, see what these quarterbacks are looking like. But uh, Drew Locke's going to earn the starts here for preseason game number one. All right, let's uh, move on to this right here. 
Travis Etienne, the running back for the Jags. And once again, we're just trying to put together information here on what these starting uh, these rookie quarterbacks are looking like. Um, we got into a Twitter feud. These Jets fans did not like what I had to say about Zach Wilson yesterday on the show, and I may talk about it in depth here after we're done with all the stories. Um, it was just it was just nonstop attack here, folks. Your boy got attacked on social media yesterday, folks. Um, so we said all we said on Zach Wilson was that he may be a potential bust. Obviously, I know, folks, it's like y'all don't understand. Like, y'all don't understand that I know it's only two weeks into training camp and there hasn't even been a preseason game, folks. I don't have to say that every single time because it's just general knowledge. It's just common knowledge. I'm not going to say common knowledge every time I'm talking about a story. I understand you can still get better. I'm just saying right now, right now, we're hearing great things from Justin Fields and we're hearing some real great things from Trey Lance. We're not hearing the best things from Trevor Lawrence and we're not hearing the best things from Zach Wilson. That's all we basically said yesterday on the show. But the Jets fans took it to heart. Took it big personally. I had like dude, this one Jets fan account that was on me. And then he got his goons after me as well. It was literally non-stop. Non-stop. So I may talk about that a little bit later on the show. Still kind of fresh. <laughs> still still kind of fresh. Um, but geez, Louise, folks, I'm just saying, what's the fun... Of just saying, hey, wait, well, let's wait, well, let's wait, well, let's wait. Five years, ten years, oh, now he's finally good, and now we can finally talk about it. It's a journey, folks. It's a journey of where you are and what you're doing now, what do we think you're going to be doing, and just seeing you progress. So, yes, folks, we are a daily sports talk show. We follow, uh, do I have to remind you of our motto here? A sports talk show streaming on Twitch daily noon Eastern. Sports narratives change slash get more clear every day. We stay on top of them. We track how the narratives are playing out. We see every information every single day. What is being said? What are you looking like? It's a roller coaster. It's supposed to be like that. What are we supposed to be about? Oh, oh he's going to get better. He's going to get better. You can't judge him. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. And then wait till he's 10 years in the league to decide whether he's Tom Brady or Josh Rosen. What fun is that? So, yes, we say some things. Are we a little um, over dramatic some days? Are we a little kind of over the moon on some days? Not really. Not really. We do kind of keep everything in kind of line here. And we just kind of talk things through. And people don't like when you talk things through. They grasp onto one thing you said and not the full body of work. We weren't trashing Zach Wilson. All we were saying is that in the last couple of days, everything that we've been seeing and hearing of Zach Wilson has just not been up to snuff of what else is happening around the league. Like, y'all are like... Y'all want to like root for like the fifth best quarterback. It's like, okay, okay. There's going to be other quarterbacks better than your quarterback. It's just natural. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, then you're the best to ever do it. And congratulations, your team won the lottery there with the quarterback. So everyone, please just relax, relax. Gosh dang, these Jets fans, folks. I, I truly could not believe what I was seeing yesterday. It was, it was honestly wild. I, I don't know, folks. But let's get back to this, because we're talking about the rookie quarterbacks right here. And once again, we haven't been hearing a lot of great things about Trevor Lawrence. He's in a quarterback battle with Gardner Minshew here for the Jaguar spot. So we get this from Travis Etienne. He says, former Clemson teammate Trevor Lawrence uses him as a safety blanket. And we talk about safety blankets all the time at the tight end, throwing it to your running backs out of the backfield. A little bit of a dink and dunk game. And, but this is, I, I, would, I don't mind using players as safety blankets every now and then. 
but this quote right here is going to kind of tell us a lot about Trevor Lawrence's ability right now. Quote here by Travis Etienne. I kind of feel like the ball is coming to me because he's not used to everything yet. And once again, this is natural progression. Something I shouldn't have to say, but according to these Jets fans, I have to preface it with everything. Yes, these are rookies, folks. They are two weeks into training camp. They haven't even played their first preseason games. I understand that, folks. I understand that. I don't need to say that every time I'm talking about a player. It's common knowledge. I understand. But still, at the same time, other rookies who have had the same experience, who have had the same timeline, are doing a little bit better. So, yes, we're going to highly regard the quarterbacks that are getting it done right off the rip. You don't need to get it done right off the rip. There's still time to get it done. I'm just saying, there's are, there are quarterbacks that are getting it done right off the rip who aren't kind of taking this learning curve, period. That's all I'm saying. Not every quarterback is the same. If every quarterback and every player was the same, nobody would be talking about sports because there would be nothing to talk about. He's the same as him. He is the same as him. Him is the same as he. They are the same as them. Them is the same as he. They are all the same. So there's no point to talk about it. But... We, are, we live in a reality where not every quarterback is the same. So we can talk about these quarterbacks differently. Am I knocking Zach Wilson because he's not 100% right now? No, I'm knocking Zach Wilson because I'm seeing Trey Lance do a little bit better. And they were both drafted the same year, and Zach Wilson went a little bit higher. So yeah, I'm praising Trey Lance over Zach Wilson right now. Is that going to mean in five weeks when week one comes that we're not going to be praising Zach Wilson if he's playing good? We don't knock anybody if they're playing good, folks. We've, we, we've done a year of this show. We've done an entire NFL season before. We don't knock players just to knock players. We celebrate the great ones. Allah, that's why Derrick Henry's behind me. Allah, that's why we have tight end university flag behind us. Because of George Kittle, and because of Travis Kelsey, and because of Darren Waller, because the tight end position is growing and rising and playing absolutely great football. We have Aaron Rodgers behind us. A little bit of a different reasoning there, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest throwers of the football ever. We have Saquon Barkley behind us, one of the top three running backs in the league when he's healthy, and we're going to see if he's healthy. We don't knock players just to knock players. We love high levels of competition, and Justin Fields is playing at a higher level right now than Zach Wilson. That's it. So... I don't understand what people are thinking sometimes, folks. I truly don't. So, back to, I'm, folks, I'm, that, that Jets thing's got me heated yesterday, folks. Y'all don't even know. I don't even want to go into it. I guess I'll go into it a little bit now because we're, I'm, I'm already screaming and, I'm screaming and yelling over here, folks. Jeez. So, let's take a little bit of a detour right here and talk about this Jets situation. Let me get this up. I don't even know where to start, folks. There's so many. There's so many replies. There's so many. Let me get to the original. Folks, you see how long I'm scrolling here? This is all yesterday. This is what started it. He adds me on Twitter, and he posts, he posts the video that I posted on YouTube. Let me get the initial name of the video up. 
<clears throat> the video, 11 minutes long. We talked about it yesterday. The segment yesterday. Is Zach Wilson already a bust? I just posed the question, folks, and we talked through it. So, that's what we said. And then this man said, this is the true definition of an absolute moron. Preseason hasn't even started. I understand that. Jeez. It's like everybody has to be, you know, sucking these players 24-7 right out of the gate. Some players are going to look a little bit better than others right now. So that's what he started off with. And this man's is a Jets fan account. And then he got his goons after me and everyone was just piling on. All I said, and then I, I said this in kind of response to that. I said, all I said was players are calling Trey Lance a generational talent, which a player did. We had the evidence to back that up. And that Justin Fields has been impressive every single day because we've been talking about Justin Fields every single day. And then I said, Robert Salas said, for most rookies, it gets worse before it gets better. And he said that about Zach Wilson. And then I said, I'll let you all decide which quarterback you would rather have. So I don't think I said anything wild there. I just stated three facts, three things that have been proven to be said. And I'm the bad guy. <laughs> and I'm the bad guy here, folks. Um, wh what else do we get? Um, and then he said, dude, players weren't calling Lance a generational talent. Um, yeah, they did. He even said one person said it. Yes, exactly. One person said it. We reported on that one person saying it. And we even said, whoa, you know, throwing that around willy-nilly is kind of crazy. We even said that. But they don't want to hold on to that. They want to take one thing, one sentence, one thing I said, and not the full 11. Folks, we talked about it for 11 minutes. We talked it all through. That's what we do here. We talk it through from all angles, from all sides, from all viewpoints, and then come to a reasonable, logical conclusion. Jeez. And then this dude, this dude goes in like I'm personally trying to attack Zach Wilson and that there's some big conspiracy going on that everyone needs to go out and knock Zach Wilson. The man is not showing us anything that great right now. Relax. Like you said, it's not even preseason. So why are you getting heated at me? Why don't you just wait? Jeez. He said, if we were to have taken Lance in the 49ers would have for Wilson, I am sure this wouldn't be the same take. Oh, yes, because I only I only talk about quarterbacks depending on what team they go to. I only praise quarterbacks that go to good teams. What, what, folks, do you even, this man doesn't even watch the show, so I don't even understand why I'm giving this man the light of day. I truly don't. But this is, this is how he, he, he's got me fired up, folks. And then somebody calls me a clown gif um, saying amateur hour. Okay, okay, amateur hour, okay. Um, what else do we get here? Uh, oh, and then he says this. Um, how come we didn't hear from you when Wilson opened up camp with an 80-yard bomb to more? Oh, my God, sorry I wasn't scouring the depths of the underground Jets fan base of the one Jets fan that found a video of Zach Wilson throwing an 80-yard bomb not on the practice field in the woods behind some trees. Sorry, sorry we didn't see that one. And you're pointing to one play that he made good. You have to cut, single out one play, whereas Trevor Lawrence... I can name a trillion plays that he's made because we've literally seen a trillion plays of Trey Lance being absolutely great. Um, what else do we get here? Um, 
It, it's funny because somebody said this. Um, Tyreek Hill admits he thought Patrick Mahomes was trash during rookie training camp. Okay. So I responded to that saying, then why are y'all... Hey, let me get the exact word up here. Let me get the exact tweet. So I said, so why are y'all tripping this hard? Zach Wilson is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Y'all won. If you were saying, if I'm saying that I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be that good and Tyreek Hill called Patrick Mahomes trash and we all know Patrick Mahomes is not trash, then why are y'all worrying so hard? Zach Wilson's going to be Patrick Mahomes. So relax. Y'all won. Why are y'all beefing at me? Why y'all beefing that little old amateur clown hour over here? Why? Maybe because they know. Oh, maybe because they know. Maybe. So, uh, just literally, folks, everybody, everybody's coming at me. I, jeez. And then, so, um, how we said that Trey Lance, uh, the player, the offensive lineman for them, called him a generational talent. So, I said, well, why isn't anybody calling Zach Wilson a generational talent? Because they're like, well, that word ho holds no value. You know, they're doing it too early. So, I was like, well, why is nobody saying that about Zach Wilson? And then somebody proved me wrong because we get this from April 4th. Before he was even on the field, Steve Young says former BYU quarterback Zach Wilson is a generational talent. And once again, they have to go to this wild website. I've never even heard of this. KSL, KSLsports.com. I never, I don't go to this website. I don't know what this website is. Uh, so you have to, once again, scour the, the, the depths of the internet to find the one quote, folks. To find the one quote. All right, well, I'm going to take the generational talent that was actually said when he was throwing the ball before he was um, over the one that uh, was said April 4th before the man was even on the field. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, that's where I'm at. I've started a, a war, folks. A war has been started between me and the Jets community. So, that's where we're at with that. And I'm going to leave it at that. Got me heated over here. Can I go back to Trav, uh, Travis Etienne saying, quote, I kind of feel like the ball is coming out to me because he's not used to everything yet. So Trevor Lawrence is not there yet. Number one overall pick. Justin Fields is playing better. Trey, Lan Trey Lance playing a little bit better. Excuse me. I didn't mean to do that in the mic if you all heard that. Um, he just slipped out. Um, so, yeah, folks. I mean, Jays. Jays. Not everybody is going to be A1 tier 1 right out of the gate. And they're mad at me for saying some observations. Let's move on because I've lost my train of thought on where I wanted to go with this Trevor Lawrence thing. I'm so heated. <laughs> I'm so heated, folks. Jeez. Um, all right. Let's move on here. Let's move on to this. Here we go. <clears throat> the former Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky. On playing with the Bills. And I don't want to knock Mitch Trubisky on this, folks. But, I mean, can we talk about some mother-loving context in this? Jeez Louise. Quote here from Mitch Trubisky. It's just really nice to be a part of a great team and be somewhere where people want you here. Mitch. Mitch, don't get in your feelings, dude, okay? You were the MVP. That's a big award. Congratulations. You were a starting quarterback in this league for three years. That's great. That's kind of the average lifespan of an NFL career. An average lifespan of an NFL career. But now Mitch Trubisky wants to get in his feelings a little bit. Mitch, they didn't want you in Chicago because you weren't getting it done. Because you weren't winning. It's not that they don't like you, the person. I'm sure you're a great guy. You look like a great guy. You just got married. You got to be somewhat of a good guy to get married. 
So, don't be in your feelings, Mitch. Damn. Oh, well, I'm just it's just nice that somebody cares about me here and they want me here. They want you in Buffalo because you're the backup. If you were the starting quarterback, they would not be having the same feelings. I can guarantee you that. They want you there because you're backing up Josh Allen, who's going to prove that he's a generational talent and that, you know, he earned that $250 million contract extension. That's why. That's why they love you in Buffalo because you are the backup because you don't need to go out there and put up the yards and put up the numbers and put up the points and put up the wins your worst case scenario so of course Buffalo's gonna love you so Mitch don't take it personal you just weren't the guy and maybe it's not even your fault it may not even be your fault this season is gonna prove whether the Chicago kind of fiasco over the last three seasons is your fault or not. So you get to sit back and see if Matt Nagy flounders. If Matt Nagy doesn't flounder, then, you know, it was on you a little bit. But Mitch, don't get in your feelings, man. I don't want to hear you say this. It's just really nice to be a part of a great team and be somewhere where people want you here. Mitch. Mitch. Come on. Come on. If you were trying to compete for the starting job here of the Bills, they would not be showing you this love. You don't translate the wins. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Maybe you're good. Like we said, maybe Matt Nagy is the cause for the failure. And that could be true. I'm not sad. I'm not kind of decided either way. I'm going to take this season to figure it out. And we will figure it out this season. But to have this little dig, oh, the Bears, they didn't even want me. Well, yeah, you weren't winning. Nobody wants anybody that's not winning. Winning is all that matters in this league. If you're not winning, it doesn't care how good of a person you are, how cool you are. It doesn't matter. You gotta win. And if you're not winning, they're not gonna love you. In Buffalo, if they, if you have to come in, if, you know, Josh Allen gets COVID, let me knock on wood because I don't even want that out there. If Josh Allen for some reason goes down, once again, let me knock on wood. If something, gosh forbid, happens to Josh Allen and you're not providing the wins as a backup, that attitude and that love is going to change quickly, quickly, real gosh dang quickly there with this Bills fan base. So, Mitch, don't get in your feelings. It's a business. Win or get out. And unfortunately, you just didn't win enough. Maybe not all your fault. But, unfortunately, you wanted to play the position of quarterback and really kind of everything gets blamed on the head coach and the quarterback. It's just unfortunate. That's the way it works, Mitch. So, I was a little, a little disappointed that Mitch came out and said this. A little disappointed. So... Come on, Mitch. You're better than this. You don't need to say this. I hope you don't truly believe this. Because if your time ever comes in Buffalo, you better. Gosh dang. Folks, I mean, I, I know Buffalo, folks. I'm right near Buffalo. I know how they work. I know how the fans work here in Buffalo. If you're not putting up the wins, you're not going to be loved, Mitch. So, you better hope you can just stay the backup and never see the field. Because... I don't want you to get your feelings hurt, and they will they will be hurt. If Mitch Trubisky is truly believing in this sentence that he just said, his feelings will 100% be hurt big time if Bills fans turn on him. So, come on, Mitch. Come on, Mitch. Let's move on. We just got a new notification. What do we get? 
Oh yeah, this uh, this also this other guy just called me um this before the show started. He said this dude has it out for Wilson. I have it out for Wilson, folks. Me, little old me over here, who's kind of you know I I I I got no uh, folks. I just say what I see. I like high levels of competition. I want to see the best go at it. I give everybody their fair shake. Have I never been fair on anybody, folks? Have I never been fair on somebody? I don't think I've ever have. Ever. <laughs> we have never been not fair to anybody. But I have it out for Wilson. I have it out for Wilson, folks. You've heard it here first. I didn't even know I had it out for the man, but I guess I have it out for Wilson. He said, he's seen, um, this is, I'm just going to read the tweet here. This dude has it out for Wilson. Seen his vids on YouTube. Well, thank you. Thank you for watching my videos. I love it. He says, Colin Cowherd wannabe. That's all. I'm, I'm. Colin Coward's the only sports opinion I respect, so I guess it's a compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. I don't actively go out and try to be Colin Coward. This is my own voice and my own opinion. This is why I started the show. Uh, but if you're going to compare me to Colin Coward, I'll take it. I've got no problem with that, so shoot. <laughs> shoot. Thank you. Uh, so these are the Jets fans we're talking about, folks. He's got two followers. This man got two followers and calling me out. This man. This man. Right here. This dude. Okay. Two followers. Okay. Glad you're tweeting for those two followers. I love it. Okay. Let's get back on track. All right. <clears throat> Next story up. Colts running back. Oh, it's going to be a great story when it starts with that. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor ready to, quote, pick up where I left off after prolific 2020 rookie season. And folks, 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 do we have to remind you, we haven't talked about the Colts running backs in a couple days here. So let's remind y'all, Jonathan Taylor, absolutely great. Going into his second year, rushed for 1,169 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. And not only that, the man caught for 300 yards as well, receiving. So fantastic. A grand total of 1,400 yards. Yards from scrimmage, which is absolutely fantastic. We love that number, truly. So, of course, this is a huge reason why we buy the Colts this year and why we believe they can go out and win the Super Bowl. Um, they just really need a quarterback in Carson Wentz, and he's going to probably be here week one. So, once again, our pick for Colts being Super Bowl contenders and Super Bowl winners, Super Bowl champions, is not wavering. Uh, so, let's quickly go into this article right here and see what uh, Jonathan Taylor's saying because we're ready to watch this man work again this year um, as a starting running back. So let's see what he says. Joining NFL Network's Good Morning Football on Wednesday, Taylor said the excellent finish to the season has helped him prepare for an even better 2021. Love it. Ooh, running backs getting even better. This is what we want to see. Quote, it really primed me, catapulted me into the offseason, understanding that that's going to be the expectation the expectations now from my coaches and teammates and even takes by fans. We got expectations here on Jonathan Taylor now. We don't want to see him take a step back. You have to put those things on film. They say your film is your resume. So now that my teammates are expecting it out of me, my coaches are catapulting me into the offense to continue to work and training to come into this training camp, being able to be prepared and pick up where I left off. Love it. Love it. What was this man's last two games of the season? Let's see. He's trying to say he's picking up where he's left off. Let's see. 
Oh my god! What? Holy cow! I didn't know it was that good. Gosh dang, folks. The last regular season game of the season, the man rushed for 253 yards. Oh my gosh! Sheesh! 253 yards! Last game of the season. Then he goes into the playoffs and rushes for 78 yards. Once again, very, very good. Jeez. So, yeah, truly, oh, my God. If this man can pick up where he's left off, give the Colts the ring now. Woo! A 253-yard game. Jeez Louise. All right, we get one more quote. Let's read the lead-up. Oh, no, we got two. My bad. Let's read the lead-up to the first one. Quote. Or not a quote yet. A bigger issue than the crowded backfield when projecting Taylor to have a season that rivals the best in the game is questioning is questions along the offensive line, which has dealt with injuries throughout the early part of camp. The biggest news was star guard Quentin Nelson having first surgery, but we know he's going to be good probably by week one with Carson Wentz. So we're really not worried too much about that. Taylor, however, boasted that while miss, missing Nelson would be enormous, he doesn't believe it would sink the rushing attack. Quote, Quinton is an amazing player. He probably, he's probably the best guard in the National Football League. But the entire line, the guys that we have up front, our entire line up front, those guys are super smart, and those guys are very, very talented and gifted physically. So I would have to deny those allegations, deny those claims, because the room that we have up front is incredible. Once again, not overreacting. Yes, a little injuries seems to be very, very minor. Let's all relax on the Colts. They're fine. Don't buy into the hype. That they're going to be bad. <clears throat> All right, the last quote. Let's read the lead up here. Here we go. The other significant injury news this offseason in Indy came with quarterback Carson Wentz, who underwent foot surgery and once again could miss the start of the season. But once again, we're really kind of hearing that they're not. So once again, we don't really buy that much into it. Last quote here. Quote, one of the biggest things that we knew these guys could play, talking about Jacob Eason and um, – Sam Ellinger, the other quarterbacks. Uh, we got Sam for a reason, and last year, Jacob. We got Jacob for a reason last year. You can see the arm that Jacob has on them. They've both been competing, playing well in training camp. Some of the plays these guys have made, you're like, that's an NFL-caliber quarterback right there. It's really exciting to watch these guys, these three guys, go at it. So, once again, nobody is kind of floundering. Nobody is jumping ship here on this Colts team. Everybody is just focusing on what they can control, what they're doing. They believe in the depth that they have, and nobody is saying, oh, my God, there is cause for concern. So the running back's going to be fantastic. Carson Wentz is going to be fine. The offensive line is going to be fine. And this Colts team is going to be competing for a ring this season, folks. So Jonathan Taylor says he's going to pick up where he left off. And the last regular season game, 258 yards. So expect that week one. <laughs> expect that week one, folks. Jeez Louise. Alrighty, let's talk about this. And this is what we're saying, folks. I mean, you can use these quotes. It's, I've got no problem with you using these sayings and these quotes and all that. But at the same time, we're getting other players disproving the quote. So what are we supposed to do? Just be like, well, we're going to leave everybody on the bottom of the barrel playing field. No, if you're going to be good. Then be good, and we'll talk about you when you're being good. But right now, other players are going to be good. So, yes, we're going to be talking about them a little bit more. It's no disrespect. Why does everybody think that's disrespect? 
I'm here for the competition. I'm here for the high level of play. And if you're not doing that, there's plenty other players that are that we are going to be talking about. We'll watch your development. We'll watch you grow. And we're not going to knock you for growing. But right now, there's players better than you. So we get this. Bengals rookie wide receiver Jamar Chase on Cincinnati's camp struggle says, quote, Rome wasn't built in a day. Now, what did we hear from Jamar Chase yesterday? We talked about it on the show, folks, that he was not getting the separation that he was expected to be getting here in the NFL. And why were we a little hesitant on Jamar Chase was because he sat out the 2020 season because of COVID. And, you know, we weren't big on a player uh, one year removed. Folks, we're not big on Tim Tebow. The man's nine years removed. Okay? And, you know, we get this quote right here. Yes, Rome wasn't built in a day. And that's true. It wasn't. But we got Justin Fields building something that truly resembles Rome. And he's kind of doing it in like a week. So, are we just supposed to ignore Justin Fields? Is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, what are we talking about, folks? You don't want us to watch some great players? Sorry that the, the player that your team drafted isn't panning out as well as some of the other guys. But we're supposed to just not talk about them? What do y'all want? Communism in sports? Is that what y'all want? Communism in sports talk? Where we talk about everybody the same? Where, oh, the, he's good. This guy's good. This guy's good, too. They're the same. Oh, my God. This guy's good. Oh, this guy's good, too. Wow, look at this guy. This guy's good. Wow, all these guys are good, and they're just good. Everyone's just the same good. Y'all want that? <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cater to that. That's nonsense. We're talking about competition. The highest level of competition that there is. There's no league bigger than the NFL, folks. There's no other league you can get to. It's not like college where, hey, now there's the NFL. More com way better competition. Folks, have you seen a college defense? It's trash. Even watching the XFL, it's good because it's football, but it's still like, yeah, this is lesser tier than the NFL. The CFL. Anybody even watch that? <laughs> Anybody even watch the CFL, folks? Come on. Let's be serious. I mean, folks, the NFL, this is the highest level. So, yes, we are going to talk about players differently because not everybody is at the highest standard. Y'all want communism in sports talk. It's wild, folks. So, yes, Jamar Chase. Rome wasn't built in a day. Correct. Correct. But you're struggling and Jalen Waddle's not. Devontae Smith is not struggling that much. So once again, I mean, Jamar Chase may be making a little bit of an excuse here. Hey, you know, Rome wasn't built today, and I'm still learning. it. Hey, I still got five weeks before the season starts, and I still got preseason games to, you know, attend. Yes, you do. Get better, please. I want to see Jamar Chase at his highest level. I want to see, you know, co collegiate Jamar Chase, a thousand percent in the NFL. But it's not there yet. So I'm going to be talking about some other players that are getting it done a little bit better right now. I'll talk about Jamar Chase when he rises that, to that level of occasion. That level of play. That level of talent. And we'll still track Jamar Chase's progress. We've got no problem with that. But we're just supposed to slurp Jamar Chase now? Folks! Folks! Come on! So... <clears throat> 
same thing with Zach Wilson, folks. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, all struggling, and we're just supposed to pretend that they're not struggling and that they're looking fantastic? Come on. Come on. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, next story up. Here we go. We talked about this um, yesterday. Now we have a little bit more of an update on it. So um, wide receiver for the Ravens, Rashad Bateman, suffered a soft tissue injury yesterday in practice. And we have a little bit of an update on that. Not great. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said first-round pick Rashad Bateman will miss, quote, a number of weeks. Not great. We got like five, four and a half, five weeks, folks. That's the timetable between now and the start of the NFL season. So, John Harbaugh says he's going to misquote a number of weeks with the groin injury that he suffered at Tuesday's practice. And we are kind of hearing that it may be a little bit worse than it um, is because we get this. Uh, well, the Rashad Bateman news is perhaps a little worse than anticipated. Ravens coach said the rookie wide receiver has a soft tissue injury and that it's, quote, going to be weeks before his return. When pressed about week one, Harbaugh said he's, quote, still hopeful. So we don't even know if this man's going to be ready week one. And this is definitely going to hurt the Ravens because we need that deep ball. And when we look at the receiving room of this Ravens team, here we go. I mean, we get Marquise Brown, but once again, he got a little injured in uh, training camp, but he's only 5'9", folks, so he's not their deep threat. He's a speedster, and he can get behind the defense like Tyreek Hill, not as great as Tyreek Hill, and he doesn't play the ball like Tyreek Hill does. Tyreek Hill goes up and gets it. He plays like he's 6'3". That's not what Marquise Brown does. And then they bring in Sammy Watkins, who is supposed to be kind of their deep ball wide receiver. But, you know, folks, we've said this before. It's like Sammy Watkins, it's like, uh, he's never really been that great. He was great year one, um, year two. But, you know, he's never really been back at that high level. He's got low catch percentage. He hasn't even been back to a 1,000-yard receiving season. Um... He had a real solid, uh, what was it, 2018 season? What was season? Yeah. He had a good 2018 season where he was catching kind of 13 yards per pass, which was great. And he also had 72% catch percentage. But, I mean, that was really it. He's really inconsistent. He can't really stay healthy. He's never really played an entire season besides year one. Played eight games in 2016. Played 10 games in 2018. 10 games last year. So, he's not dependable, not reliable, little inconsistent out here so we really need Rashad Bateman to come out here and be that deep threat he's 6-1 he's got the ability to kind of be their deep threat wide receiver so now that he's out for the rest of pretty much training camp and potentially out week one now we have to kind of walk back these Ravens a little bit now we can't be fully sold on this Ravens team and it's truly unfortunate so we need Sammy Watkins to step up and be the man this season we kind of wanted him to do that with the Chiefs for the last three seasons, but now it's truly put up or shut up for Sammy Watkins, whether he has an overall great career or whether he has an overall mediocre career, it's really going to be dependent on what he does this season, so Sammy Watkins, come on and be that guy, man, be that dude, and go out and kind of help Lamar Jackson out a little bit here for this Ravens team, so Rashad Bateman, folks, wide receiver for the Ravens, rookie, Ugh. Ugh, groin injury. Tough. <clears throat> All right. Let's keep moving on here. We got a couple more stories to go over. Here we go. The Cardinals have signed four veteran players off the free agency list, folks. They get tight end Demetrius Harris 
And then they go out and get three defensive linemen, Margus Hunt, Josh Morrow, and Jack Crawford. So let's see why they're getting all these defensive linemen. What is the uh, Cardinals depth chart at the line at the defensive lineman position looking like why are they going out and making this huge spending spree in kind of the free agent market because we haven't really seen any team go out and pick up a free agent folks we've still got you know the running backs of uh Le'Veon Bell and still Adrian Peterson is still out there and we get the corners of um uh, uh, Richard Sherman and all the wide receivers even Todd Gurley is still available uh, we get the wide receivers of Kenny Stills Golden Tate, Larry Fitzgerald Danny Amendola, Alshon Jeffrey so nobody's really, no team has really made that initial splash of signing these free agents but the Cardinals go out and do it with their defensive linemen signing three so their defensive linemen I mean we got Rashad Lawrence we got Corey Peters David Perry, Jordan Phillips is their edge rusher, J.J. Watt is their edge rusher, so you got some good edge rushers, but they want to beef up that defensive line a little bit more, so that's kind of the only spot that the Cardinals are truly seeing that they're lacking in at the moment. We love their offense, um, you know, pieces everywhere, they're solid there, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running backs are good. They've got a solid defense. We believe in Chase Edmonds, James Conner. All right, they can get it done by committee. Um, Malcolm Butler, we're a little hesitant on, but they got Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. They got Zayvon Collins and Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt all over the defense. So, you know, this is kind of telling us that the only position that the Cardinals really have left to truly get figured out 100% is that defensive line. So we'll see if some of these free agents can make a name for themselves. We got preseason games coming up this week, like we've been saying so that's going to definitely tell us you know how good this Cardinals team is and truly what they're lacking but uh, it seems like the Cardinals are just shoring up their defense and then they're going to be ready to rock come week one so this Cardinals team folks we can truly get behind them and we'll see if any of these defensive linemen, Margus Hunt, Josh Morrow, and Jack Crawford can go out there and get the job done and be in that starting lineup and uh, be that starting defense that uh, really just kind of torches some offenses out here this season, folks. <clears throat> Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. We get another uh, clip from practice, and it's not about Zach Wilson, Jets fans, so relax. We're not going to clown the man. Uh, he's also been not doing anything great today either, so meh. Uh, but this time we get Trent Sherfield, wide receiver for the 49ers, going up and making an absolutely beautiful catch here. It's tough to see which quarterback this is. It doesn't look like Trey Lance. I don't think it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I can't tell who that is. It's way too far back. But whoever quarterback is out here, it's not the best throw. It's a little bit too much inside. We have to see the receiver go up and kind of jump over the corner to go up and get this ball. But, I mean, it's a fantastic catch, folks. This is a magnificent catch by Trent Sherfield. And we've kind of been seeing that Trent Sherfield is not kind of in the top three. Let's get up their uh, roster. We just talked about it. I think yesterday on the show, who was kind of the third emerging uh, wide receiver here? Uh, Mohamed Sanu. We kind of heard Mohamed Sanu was kind of um, competing for that kind of third spot and was kind of, you know, the the, the shoe-in to get this uh third wide receiver spot we obviously know Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are going to kind of be the main two Mohamed Sanu is kind of listed as their third string we had Trent Sherfield out here who was kind of listed as their sixth string 
But, uh, you know, fourth season out here. He's 6'1". Love the height right there. Let's look at his career stats. Has he ever done anything good? Is this the best catch he's ever had? <laughs> Can we bind to Trent Shurfield? Because I know it's only one play, folks, but it was absolutely fantastic. So Trent Shurfield started three years in Arizona. Didn't start, but played three years, his first three years in Arizona. First year here with the 49ers. And he's never done anything good because he's never really started. He started two games his rookie year, 2018, only caught for 210 yards. Um, 2019, only played one, started for one game and caught 80 yards. And then 2020, last season, started one game and only caught for 50 yards. And when we look, his catch percentage is, um, it's a little all over the place. Rookie year, where he got... 28 targets, the most he's ever had. He caught 67%. It's all right. Uh, 2019, he was targeted 13 times, but only caught 30%. That's real trash. And then last season, he was only targeted seven times. Like I said, didn't really play that much, but he caught five of them, 71%. So he's never really been able to show what he can do. And uh, if he's out here making catches like this and can start doing this a little bit more consistently, you know, we still got three preseason games to go, four and a half, five weeks left to training camp. So, you know, this man could definitely try and um, rival Mohamed Sanu for that number three spot or at least, you know, solid rotation where he can get a little bit more than 50 and 80 yards in a year, a whole season. So we'll see what Trent Shurfield can do here for this 49ers team. But, man, oh, man, this catch right here is absolutely perfection. Going up, way too much inside. Corner doesn't have, even have his head around, but just great job by Shurfield to go out and place the ball, locate the ball. Go up and get it. That's a great catch. Jeez Louise. All right, and then the last thing to talk about here, which uh, just plays into kind of, uh, you know, we'll be guessing the lines here. We'll guess the lines for these preseason games, and this is how we're going to have to start. We get uh, two games tomorrow. Uh, we get Steelers at Eagles and Washington at the Patriots, so we'll break down both those two quickly. But um, the Steelers are going to be starting Mason Rudolph for the pre, uh, second preseason game. So Big Ben's not going to get any action here. And I, we really don't expect to see any action from Big Ben because what was the thing that Big Ben said that hurt his shoulder last year overall was that he was throwing so much in the offseason that it kind of wore down at the end of you know the regular season last season. So they're going to try and keep Big Ben as fresh and as healthy and as kind of minimally throwing as possible so he can last a little bit longer. So don't expect Big Ben to really play anything in this preseason. Now, Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins both really didn't show anything great. I mean, I was really kind of disappointed overall with the Steelers. And how they kind of played at quarterback overall in their first preseason game. So we'll see if Mason Rudolph can step it up a little bit. We'll see if Dwayne Haskins can step it up a little bit. But overall, Mason Rudolph, I mean, he's been here for three years and he's still playing really. I mean, I take Zach Wilson over Mason Rudolph, folks, truly. I mean, I, that's a no-brainer. But, um, you know, Zach Wilson's looking better than Mason Rudolph is. And Mason Rudolph's in his, like, fourth year. And he's been starting before. So and the man's not looking any good. But they're still going to rock with him as a starter. And we'll see if Dwayne Haskins can kind of play a little bit of a catch-up game here and uh, try to uh, compete for that second spot like he said he's been wanting to do so Mason Rudolph folks starter for the uh, Steelers in the second preseason game Alrighty, righty um, we're not gonna be able to get to a NFL team refresher today truly unfortunate we 
ran out of time. We spent a lot of time on the Hard Knocks, which I've got no problem with, folks. Um, I love it. Um, it was a great show. And, uh, you know, it's all about what's happening now. You know, the team refreshers, um, it's just to get us all on the same page of all we've been saying in, you know, the offseason and all that. So, um, you know, we'll try to – we obviously want to try and get every team done. But if we can't, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. There's other things to talk about. So, as long as we're talking about something, right, folks? All right, so let's talk about these two preseason games that are coming up. Let's start here with the Steelers at the Eagles coming up tomorrow. Let's guess and react to the line so we can kind of go uh, three for three in our official predictions, our official picks. We picked the Steelers minus two in preseason game number one. And uh, what did they end up winning by? Let's get the official score there. Uh, 16 to three. So they won by 13 points. Fantastic. Swallow two. Psh, still had 11 points left over. Psh, fantastic. Um, so we obviously want to be perfect all season and we're already out to the one of one start so far. So fantastic. So here we go. Let's talk about the Steelers and the Eagles. Well, the Steelers have a decent backup game. We can expect to see a little bit more out of Najee Harris. We can expect to see a lot of more maybe from the wide receivers. We'll see how much they go with Chase Claypool just because they had that little scary incident where he kind of got the air taken out of him by landing on the ball. But overall, we saw the Steelers score 16 points in the second half. So their depth is a little, it's pretty solid there, and they're still able to kind of move the ball and get points with not kind of Mason Rudolph or their kind of second strings out there. So we can kind of buy into the Steelers' second team a little bit more. Let's look up the Eagles' second team. Now, we can expect Jalen Hurts to play pretty, I, I would say, a, a good chunk of this because we haven't been hearing a lot of great things from Jalen Hurts. He's not the starter yet. Um, their head coach, Nick Sirianni, still wants to see what Jalen Hurts can do. So expect to see a lot of Jalen Hurts out there, at least for the full quarter. I would probably say at least for the first half, I would expect Jalen Hurts to be out there. And then Joe Flacco comes out and plays the second half. That's kind of just what I would imagine. We haven't heard any. Anything. Let's see if we can get anything up quickly um, on their preseason game. Let's see. We got anything here? Eagles. Oh, let me type in Eagle Steelers. Just see. I want to see how long we can expect Jalen Hurts to play in this game. We get any update on that? We get any update? Mm, man, man. Does not seem to be any update, unfortunately. Hurts' first chance to show new head coach Nick Sirianni. He's the number one guy. Is Thursday when the Eagles take on Pittsburgh Steelers in the preseason opener. All right. All right. But how long is he going to play? We get anything? Let's see if we get anything in our main feed. Any update on this? Does not up here so all right I'm just gonna expect <laughs> Jalen Hurts to play a lot and that's definitely gonna help you know the Eagles out a little bit they're playing with their starters a little bit more than the Steelers are we'll just see how much more uh we could expect a little bit from Devontae Smith maybe a quarter we'll see um what do they got as kind of their second third string wide receivers we get anything good we get Travis Fulgram John Hightower Quez Watkins their defense, they got a good second team defense. We got a Ryan Kerrigan, second string. We got uh, Josh Sweat, second string. Marcus Epps, Kavon Wallace, if he's going to play. He's a little questionable right now. 
Eagles are at home. So I guess we'll officially predict. I think I'm going to go with the Steelers here. Maybe Eagles. Well, you got to give, you know, I, does uh, does the three points still count in as home field advantage in the preseason? I would assume so, right? Maybe not three, maybe one, maybe two and a half. Still some sort of points right there. So I'm going to predict that as Eagles. I'm going to go Eagles minus one. And I'm going to basically just say that because of the home field advantage and then um, the Steelers get points just because um, or the Eagles bring down that minus three from my that that minus three. They bring down the minus three to minus one just because the Steelers have played. They have, you know, their beak wet a little bit. So I'm going to favor the Steelers and we may be able to take them. Um, if they're getting some solid points right there. But we're going to call that one Eagles minus one. And then the Washington and the Patriots. Now, this is going to be a little interesting. How much does Ryan Fitzpatrick start? I'm sure he plays maybe the first quarter. Probably same thing with Cam Newton. But the one thing about Washington and the Patriots is that they have potential good backups here. And Mac Jones, who's potentially still starting or competing for the starting job. And then Taylor Heineke, who has starting experience last season, probably can't win the starting job. So overall, we're going to probably expect two quarterbacks that are able to move the ball here, regardless of what pieces are put out there. Obviously, you know, we were, we know their quarterbacks are working with the twos and the threes. So yes, I mean, folks, this is something, you know, that we don't have to say, you know, that these teams are going to be working with lower caliber type players. So yes, you know, the scoring isn't going to be that great. A la the Hall of Fame game, 16 to three, really not be being able to move the ball that well. Cowboys didn't really have that good quarterback in the second string to be able to move the ball I didn't really like Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins but they were still able to move the ball decently efficiency was all right kind of the how well they were able to move it not big yards they did it on some decent dink and dunk plays but they were able to still move the ball so with Washington the Patriots it's probably gonna be pretty close we'll get the Patriots minus three because of home uh, home court advantage home field advantage and maybe just buy it down a little bit more I'm um, maybe just the Patriots minus two just because Washington has Taylor Heineke as their backup. He's a little bit more experienced than Mac Jones, so he's able to move the ball a little bit more than Mac Jones potentially can. So we're going to predict this one at <clears throat> Eagles minus one and Patriots minus two. So let's see what the lines are, and we'll talk through it. Um, we'll sleep on the lines and make our official predictions tomorrow when uh, the games kind of uh, are played, before the games are played. All right, here we go. NFL preseason. Where is this at? NFL. Well, can we just look up preseason? Where are we at? Come on. DraftKings, sometimes their website, it's a little wonky. They're, it's not really expecting. They don't really. Uh, it's just something about it. Sometimes we can't find what we're looking for quickly, and it's a little frustrating. It's like we're on and we're at the NFL. Is it going to load up preseason? But it goes right to... It goes right to the start of the regular season. So when we try to look for NFL preseason, it's not even up. So what the hell is up with that? We're at NFL. Football. We have to look at football. Here we go. There it is. It's under football. Sorry. I forgot about all the other great football leagues. 
I get it, college folks. Well, y'all relax. All right, here, here we go. All right, Steelers, Eagles. It is Eagles minus one. We predicted it. Eagles minus one as well. So right on the thinking right there. Um, we may be able to take the Steelers plus one. It seems like solid value just because they do have their beak wet. They, you know, everyone was able to kind of play decently. Najee Harris got his first carries. The second, third, fourth string all got to get their kind of rhythm underneath them. It's just, unfortunately, they're on the road here. But they were on the road in the Hall of Fame game as well. So, um... The Steelers could potentially be a real solid pickup bet right here. The Eagles, I mean, you got Jalen Hurts. It's, uh, like we said, if he's going to play the first entire half, once again, you can expect maybe some solid scoring by the Eagles and kind of the one one kind of red flag that we have on the Steelers team is that they still only put up 16 points. That's still really nothing great. Let's quickly... Let's see what the average score is for preseason last season. Oh, no, there was no preseason last season. So we will have to go down to 2019. I just want to get a nice gauge of what the points is looking like in the preseason. So here we go. 2019 Hall of Fame game. The scoring was 14 to 10, so 24 points scored. 2019, the last time preseason was played. We can't go to 2020. Um, and then in this year's preseason game, 16 to 13, 19 points overall. So once again, lower scoring. Let's see if it jumped up in preseason game number one. And let's also track the Broncos and the Falcons. Those were the ones that played in the Hall of Fame game. Let's see how they did in their kind of first initial preseason game number two. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, here we go. Preseason week number one. Uh, Bills Colts, 24-16. Jets Giants, 31-22. Jaguars Ravens, 29-0. Redskins Browns, 30-10. Patriots Lions, 31-3. Falcons Dolphins, 34-27. And now the Falcons, they only put up 10 points in that Hall of Fame game. And then they come out and put up 27 points here. So, once again, we can expect the Steelers to probably score a little bit more. But the Falcons also lost their game on the road, um, their second preseason game, the Dolphins first. So, a little interesting kind of nugget right there. We get the Titans and Eagles, 27-10. We get the Panthers-Bears, 23-13. We get the Texans-Packers, 26-28. Uh, the Chargers, Cardinals, 13-17. Broncos-Seahawks, 14-22. Now the Broncos, they only put up 14 points in the Hall of Fame game. And they, once again, put up 14 points in the second preseason game. And they also lost their second preseason game. So maybe we should be fading the Steelers a little bit come tomorrow. We'll see how much we weigh this information in totality come tomorrow when we make our pick. Then we get the Bucks and Steelers, 28-30. Viking Saints, 34-25. Bengals Chiefs, 17-38. Rams Raiders, 3-14. And Cowboys 49ers, 9-17. So it's looking to be like an average-ish scoring... Bull, uh, uh, I forgot the word. Uh, bonanza. Scoring bonanza out here. So... We can expect normal scores here in week one of the uh, of the preseason games for everybody. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, so minus one plus one, not a lot of points when a lot of points can potentially be scored. So Eagles have kind of the history. They should be able to win this game because the two Hall of Fame, or Hall of Fame game participants both lost their next game. So we'll see how that plays out.
All right, now let's talk about the Washington at the Patriots. We predicted this one at Patriots minus two, and it's Patriots plus two. Whoa, 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 interesting. Maybe Ron Rivera is going to play Washington a little bit more with their starters, saying, you know, we just read the quote yesterday that they're going to have to scrap and fight uh, for everything. So maybe he's going to get that competitive edge and competitive spirit ready to rock in preseason game number one. The Patriots is interesting because we've been hearing some good things about Mac Jones, about how he could potentially still rival Cam Newton as a starting quarterback. So them getting plus two here seems like decent value, and they're at home, and we know Bill Belichick has got great defense. So, you know, we can expect the second and third and fourth string defenders out here for the Patriots to still get some solid production. So, honestly, early, I'm liking this Patriots plus two. I think that's great value for their home field advantage as well. Washington being minus two when they don't really have the greatest starters, so their number twos are going to be a little bit worse. A little interesting there. How much does Ryan Fitzpatrick play? They do have Taylor Heineke. That's probably their saving grace here of why they are minus two because they do have an experienced backup quarterback that will play the majority of this game. Cam Newton maybe plays the first quarter. We, uh, I don't think we've heard anything about what Cam Newton is going to be doing this season um, in the preseason. How many snaps, how many reps he's going to get and all that. So Patriots plus two could be good if Mac Jones is playing as good as we've kind of been hearing. Playing as solid and driving the ball. So I think we're going to take the Patriots plus two tomorrow. I don't think I can buy into this Washington team. I mean, folks, we can't even really buy into their first string team that much it should be good but once again Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little bit of a wild card and um, you know I, I don't think we can buy into their second team really that much I mean their their weapons aren't anything spectacular I mean we talk about the Patriots they've got all tier two weapons um, so you know the same thing but Nikhil Harry has kind of been impressing recently and we expect him to probably play a lot of minutes where Terry McLaurin the Washington football team's best wide receiver probably won't play that much because he's already established. Nikhil Harry trying to get reestablished here. So I think the Patriots plus two could be real solid. But uh, we will sleep on this information, see what information comes out today, and then make our official picks tomorrow on the preseason game. So we'll come back at that tomorrow. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow live noon Eastern, hopefully trying to uh, do an NFL team refresher. We've missed the last two days. How unfortunate. So, um, yeah, folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Hopefully we don't make any other fandom mad out here. Hopefully the Jets stop coming at us. Um, so we're out of here to, uh, till tomorrow, folks. Live noon Eastern. We're back, and we'll do it all over again. It doesn't seem like anything is breaking, so we can um, uh, but, but, but get out of here then, folks. All righty, folks, we're out of here, and uh, we're back tomorrow.